You may be seated. Well, welcome to HBF. It is good to see you this morning. And I think we're being uh, riddled with uh, this cold disease or whatever is going around. So I'm glad for those of you that could make it, it is good to, to be with you this morning. This is actually the, well, actually last week really began our 21st year at HBF. But that kind of gets a pass because it's New Year's Day and I know some are out. So we're going to, we're going to, I waited a, intentionally a, a week to kind of do the vision update so we would have more of the home folk here and we could get into everything God has for us this coming year. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 27. Before we jump into the message this morning, I just want to just kind of reflect a little bit <coughs> and, uh, and set a few benchmarks. Maybe if you're new to HBF, you're not accustomed to uh, how we do planning here, but uh, many years ago as I was praying about how to how to actually put my mind around a church plant and uh, accomplishing the mission, mission, the big picture mission uh, of, a, of getting the gospel literally to the world. God gave me some, um, gave me a pattern from the Old Testament to just plan out in, you know, seven, uh, seven, seven year cycles. So that's what we began doing. It worked out really well with what we were at at the time with the church plant, and so we've just carried that forward. This starts our 21st year of ministry. Here in Cass County, um, or actually, it was January 6th of 2002. By the way, Bruce was, is here. Thanks for coming, Bruce. Glad that uh, you're with us. He's been here for, I think, every one of our uh, services in the first part of the year uh, throughout the last 21 years. He looks exactly the same, and I, I have aged. I'm getting old. But uh, and so this uh, this starts our our, our fourth cycle, obviously. Um, as we are, as we're going into the next seven years, and as uh, I was praying about that, we've already met as a pastor team, and we've already looked at the next seven years and looked and, and talked about what we're doing this year. A lot of things already planned. Tomorrow night, if you're in a, a ministry leader position, we'll have our minister, our uh, you know, one of our third, one of our three uh, season uh, ministry coordination meetings, uh, and we'll talk about what's coming up this first several months of the year, the first third of the year. Um, so there's a lot of planning and, and things that go on around, you know, ministry. But when I, I just kind of want to step back and look at, you know, what God has done just in the last seven years before I jump into the, the next, you know, year, the next seven years, um, because God gives us a very clear mission, right? We know what the mission is. Our mission statement is to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. Uh, by the grace of God. So we understand that we're to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them whatsoever he's uh, taught us. And uh, I just butchered the the Great Commission. But you know the verse. I sound like Joe Biden up here. So uh, (laughs) you know the verse. So, uh, but I'm going to correct it. So go ye therefore and uh, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching teaching them to observe... um, that's where I got stuck. Teaching them to observe uh, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's what I missed. And lo, I'm with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. And so we know that this mission that we have is going to go until the end of the world. But in the meantime, what in the world does God have us doing now? We'll get into that in just a minute. But as we look back over the last seven years, I was thinking this time seven years ago, um, and in my own mind, time was just like becoming a blur. We didn't have the armory building even up this time seven years ago. I was thinking about that. How many remember the property before that building back there? And uh, so that means we didn't have a road going back there. Uh, none of that. It was just a big empty field. 
uh, and now it's complete with three-phase power and, and HVAC equipment and another extra tractor shed that was put in last year. And, and, uh, and that armory is somewhat sim- symbolic, though, of some of the forward progress God has made in the Word First publishing ministry because that means seven years ago, Word First didn't, wasn't on a cycle to, to, to put out 100,000 binds a year. Uh, of course, we're not quite to that goal yet, but we're working toward that. We didn't have a home, right? Our equipment was stuck in the storage unit up the street. And, uh, and we were just working on annual Bible conferences, which was great, uh, but it wasn't where it is today, right? God has really blessed uh, the vision of publishing the Word of God. It's been exciting to see that since uh, 2017, 2018, and on forward. Uh, our building was a different color seven years ago. Inside, right? This, the walls, we had Baptist beige going on. We had a nice uh, sharp rebuke from... Uh, how many remember the vision conference where we just got skewered by uh, David Shelby over our Baptist beige? Anybody here for that? Yeah, okay, so we all remember that. We're like, ow, that hurt, man. That, hey, Baptist beige was cool when we moved in. That was awesome. So uh, it's funny. I was up at, a Willow, up at Willow Creek this last year. Before they had this big leaders conference, and I was up there, and I walked into this. I mean, this is a mega, mega, it's, you know, when you say mega church, this is like in the definition of it. It's Willow Creek. Walk into this mega church, and guess what? Beige. Baptist beige. I was like, there you go. So uh, we're ahead of them in something. But anyway, um, and so, so things have changed, and uh, things have changed for the better. And we've sealed, I think we probably sealed and restriped the parking lot at least three times in the last seven years. And so that's always ongoing and, and things that we got to take care of. Of course, we also added and redid all that concrete. So what was new is now old, right? We were replacing the handicapped parking concrete, we have, have all those things have been uh, replenished, and we've had to you know, continue to maintain all of that, which is a blessing. Uh, the playground wasn't here, right? We just got that installed in 2021. Praise God for that. Thank you for that. And by the way, speaking of the playground, you guys just raised, I think, nearly 2000 Luke, is it, was it $2,000, roughly? Right around $2,000, $1,900 uh, through that walking tacos to get the playground equipment. And so uh, I just want to say congratulations. That's awesome. And so um, Mitch is trying to raise a balance of like 700 to 1,000 more to get one more picnic table uh, before he makes the order. So if you want to help toward that, you can designate that in your giving. Our second church plant uh, went out in 2018, New Life Baptist in Clinton, Missouri. Our first church plant, Shiloh Bible Church down in uh, KCK, has disbanded in 2020, which that wasn't a bad thing. After COVID, it just kind of ran its course, and and some of the leadership migrated to Ohio, and of course Dave migrated out to South Carolina and is doing well there, Uh, and Ann, of course, came home from the field as well during that time. Uh, Kathy Cundiff, our longtime admin, she retired, and Luke has come on to be uh, in her stead in the office. Uh, uh, In regard to missions, James Fife completed a cycle of work uh, in a closed country and returned in 2022. Uh, We have formed a lot of parallel partnerships since 2017 um, uh, to today with many uh, local like-minded churches through both our living faith uh, relationships but also through our Bible publishing relationships. Uh, we saw missionaries and church planners go to the field. Uh, man, that was quite a list. I was just looking at the ones. I hadn't personally thought about this until I was prepping for the vision update. How many of the missionaries that we have to do with have went out recently? or within the, certainly within the last seven years. There's been a lot of new life that has occurred in the last seven years, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in the next seven years 
As, uh, as I look at that list, uh, I think I put it on the screen there, you have Kale Horvath, who recently went out right in the middle of COVID. Three of these guys, three or four of them, went out right in the midst of COVID. And uh, you guys were all privy to that. Kale Horvath went to Hungary, Lee Carter, Dominican Republic, Eddie Ziss in the Philippines, Mike Renault, of course, Living Faith Boston, um, and Doug Pearson, of course, they planted a church in Cambodia in the midst of COVID and all of that. And, of course, he's back in India. Uh, Brad McGuire, own Brad McGuire, was launched and sent out to Clinton in 2018. Joe Hendrigsman was sent out to Oaxaca and started the church in 2017 down there. Mark Schaefer started Living Faith Tampa in 2017. Dan Renault started Living Faith Lee Summit in 2017. Cody Walker was sent to Argentina in 2018. And Code Blaze uh, planted Downtown Baptist Temple in 2016. And uh, that's, I may have missed a few, but I, that's, that's some of the newer uh, works that we've seen. Brian Clark, our missionary to London, uh, this past year handed off his ministry to uh, an indigenous man that he led to Christ and discipled, and so now that's under his care. Uh, missionary Jeff Barker uh, just was promoted. He went home to be with the Lord in 2022, 20, uh, and so uh, we've supported him for a good long time, almost 20 years, about 19 years, I believe we supported him. And speaking of missions, your giving was outstanding. As, uh, as you all gave <coughs> as a whole, the church body gave $66,704.44 to missions giving. Isn't that awesome? Now, that was just last year. That's not the last seven years. That's last year in 2022. Now, uh, I was kind of doing some calculations. I'm uh, Roughly around 46 of that would be our 11%, uh, if I'm counting right, Luke. And so... That means 20, per, 20 would be about 40000 So $20,000 is over and above uh, what the church is given. Am I counting that right? Is that figure? Okay, so that's not over and above our 11%. That includes our 11%. So, yeah, that's good. <clears throat> so that's a lot. You guys are doing good. Uh, so I don't know what that is percentage-wise, but that's, uh, that's quite a bit. If I'm wrong, uh, correct me on that, Luke, but I'm pretty sure that's how the figures roll. Um, and then one thing I wanted to do, and I, I don't do this very often. I was Amy kind of looked over this for me. She says, man, Brian, you might make some people sad. But I'm not saying this to make people sad. But I do want you to think about, you know, the ministry. Um, you know, we, we've recently been, I've been talking to you a lot about persecution. And I've been, you know, there's other places in the world where following Christ is, it comes at a dire cost. People lose their lives and things like that. We have a pretty easy run here in uh, the Midwest and in America. Uh, but it is good to reflect on on the people that have, have gone before us in the last. I just did the last seven years, and I, I came up with man, we have had we have seen uh, 27 people from the congregation go home to be with God in glory in the last seven years, and um, just some of the names, of course, Gwen Arney, and these are in alphabetical order. So, and some of these are missionaries like Jeff Barker, uh, but Jim Boyette, uh, Hattie Brizendine, Jason Broomfield, Kathleen Connolly, Wanda Courtney. Uh, Walt Cundiff, um, uh, Laverne Fugate, which was um, uh, Rex's mom, um, uh, Loyal George, that was our eldest member. He was in uh, Pearl Harbor. Ron Garachi, uh, that was a sudden passing. Pam Harden, um, Carl Hatfield, Pam was our neighbor across the street. Carl Hatfield, what a what a gentle man he was. Uh, Robert Hendren, um, that's Becky Ford's stepdad. Uh, David Nifong, Don LaFountain. Uh, Gayla Morford, Gail Newland, Rodney Newland, uh, which just in a short time of one another, Ron, uh, Ruth Reeves, uh, Peggy Rick, uh, James Shipley, uh, Joe Sparks, uh, Rick Wilbur, Glenn Williamson, uh, Billy Wood, and uh, Elizabeth May Zilmer. 
Those are all uh, members and some actually, and we get those some of our church family friends in there. Sam Shockley also went home to be with the Lord. So a lot of, uh, but those were primarily members of HBF, not all of those. There's a couple that were not that went home to be with the Lord. So they're like in heaven, right? And there's a great cloud of witnesses. We'll be meeting them in the air soon. So we want to finish this out. And as you look back, you got to look forward because, uh, you know, we don't know how much time we have. So we need to take advantage of every opportunity that we have. Uh, just some uh, basic attendance numbers from 2019 or 2009 to 2015. That seven-year cycle, our average attendance with adults was 216. From 2016 to 2022, our average attendance was about 140, which is about where we are now. Our average adult attendance, uh, I calculate, is about 136, with an average of 175 with children. And so, and you have that on your little card in your bulletin as well. At the apex of our attendance back in 2011, we, uh, we had about 320 gathering with uh, children uh, with an adult, members, um, adult attendance of 217. So that's been about as high as we've gotten here, which is about what Cass County sustains, it seems like, especially on the southern end. So salvations, I don't know how many people have been saved. Uh, I don't count salvations. I, I do count baptisms. Not that baptism saves you, but... A lot of people make professions throughout the course of a year, but I know that uh, several people have made professions. We have seen uh, 14 baptisms, and then uh, Steve has counted uh, at least 10 uh, professions of faith in life issues, and that's also on your card. Uh, I want to give you a little idea about the discipleship, what's been going on in that regard, um, because ultimately discipleship is really what the mission is. Making disciples is really what God's mission is. Teaching all nations means making disciples of all nations. So uh, these, these are really important numbers. Right now we have 35 adults and teens actively in Discipleship 1. And that's good. That's a good number as well of our, of our membership as we have, um, um, you know, just over a couple hundred members. Um, there's seven adults who have completed D1 in 2022. There's seven adults that completed Discipleship 2. So those are some good numbers, seven and seven in uh, 2022. There's five uh, that uh, completed How to Disciple and graduated. So we've added five more to the ranks of people who can disciple. We have uh, five. We had five HBF uh, graduates on your little form there. The bottom is like bonus, you know, bum, bum, bum. we got five HBI graduates. That's, a, that's no um, small task. And so we praise God for that as well. Um, we currently have um, 87 listed as approved disciples, uh, disciplers. But when we remove those who uh, have health concerns or homebound or have relocated, our list shrinks to about 63 active disciplers. And um, only two uh, of those are in their 20s. And we have none that I'm aware of below the age of 25. Now, I'll just kind of pause here for just a moment. That's one of the things that I'm praying about is, is our age. Where as a church, we're growing older. And, uh, and we're not maturing young people as fast. Part of that's my age because I'm 20 years older than I was when we started. I was 32 when we started the church. Um, and so, uh, but really, when we started the church, we, I thought we were going to have this great youth movement. We didn't. Immediately, a lot of what really got the church off the ground was the older people who came. A lot of widows came to our church, and they really stabilized our finances, stabilized uh, you know, the congregation and we ended up initially having a lot of older saints, and many of them have gone home to, to be with the Lord, of course. Um, but they were it was not what I was expecting. But by the time the building was built, of course, we did have an incredible surge. Uh, I was just looking at statistically, it was interesting. About the time Heartland was, was really you know, taken off like a rocket, 
was the most activity Cass County has had in the last 21 years, the same year. You can just look at the charts in, in actual activity of population growth in the county as well. So whatever was going on around 2007, uh, there's a lot of activity and a lot of growth in general. The county has grown about 10% uh, in the last 20 years. So I think it's 10%, maybe a little bit more than that. And so um, it's not a huge number, but our, our church has, has kept up with, with all of that as well. And, um, and so, uh, actually, uh, by the way, just side note, this isn't in my notes, Cass County is actually exceeding the growth of the state of Missouri by, I think, about twofold, um, and it's, it's uh, keeping up. It's actually growing faster than the, the average growth rate in the United States. The only negative thing about Cass County is we are uh, pretty monolithic in our racial makeup, so, um, and so we need to be a little more diverse, in my opinion, but God will work all that out in due time. So, <laughs> uh, and so... We uh, getting back to discipleship. We have uh, six six adult or eleven adults in their thirties uh, that are approved to disciple. Uh, five are men and six are women. We have six adults in their forties available to disciple, uh, and four of those live over an hour away from HBF. So we're pretty light in the forty-year-olds that are available to disciple people. Um, and we have um, uh, we have twenty-one adults in their fifties available to disciple. So we're Got a, if you're if you're in your 50s, we got someone for you. Uh, and uh, as far as 60s, we have also we have 20 adults that are in their 60s that are approved to disciple as well. So uh, we have four adults in their 70s available to disciple, and our 80 plus folks that are in discipleship or, or right now uh, or that are approved to disciple, uh, most of those are not really available right now. So really, most of our discipleship is 70 to. To, to 40s and a few 30-year-olds available. So that's something that we really got to look at as a church as we go forward in the next seven years or so. It's just praying about, you know what, Lord, we need to make sure that we're connecting with younger people, not, not just getting them in the door, but discipling them, growing them up, maturing them so that they can carry the ball, right? Because if the, young, if the younger generation is not doing that, uh, you know, some of us are going to age out. You know, I, I, you know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So we need young people that can step in and fill the gap, and discipleship is so important to that. So you can see in the in the next seven years, we really need to work to see a youth movement in our discipleship ministry. So the good news is we um, we do have eight people in their twenties uh, to late teens going through discipleship one right now. So be praying for those eight people. That's a, that's a prayer request that our young people not only go through discipleship and complete the four goals, but they grow beyond that in the discipleship process, the seven stages of spiritual growth, so they can bear the weight uh, of, the, of the burden of the mission to reach their generation. Because frankly, uh, it's going to take that younger generation to reach uh, their generation. And so be praying for that younger generation. There's some demographic realities as well. As you think about my age, I'm 52 now. When we complete this next seven-year cycle, I'll be 59. The average age of our pastoral team today is 57 years old, and uh, it'll be 63 uh, if we stayed exactly as we are today in seven years, of course. And so um, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, guess, I don't know. Now I'd have to re that calculation is not right. But anyway, so uh, when, we, when we started the last season um, of ministry, my kids were 11 and 9. Now they're 18 and 16. And when we finish up in seven years, my son will be seven, 25, getting closer to 30 than 20, right? And my daughter will be uh, 23. It's hard to believe, man. Time goes so fast. And Amy still looks like she did when she was 30. So, um, and so when, and she's watching online. She's sick today, but she's, she, she's watching. So when we planted HBF 21 years ago in 2002, I was 32. 
And, uh, and man, I tell you what, time flies when we're having fun. It is really hard to believe so much time has clicked by. And I appreciate everybody that has been with us from the first day until now. Okay, that kind of gives you some, some retrospect. Now let's look forward just a little bit. What's coming up right around the corner? Uh, and this is a little bit more what vision is about. It's taking the, the, the things and putting the rubber to the road. Right now, we have volleyball ministry underway right now. We have adult athletics is a big part. Uh, and volleyball is off to a good start. And, and so it's important that we take care of the ministry and being intentional to minister to our families. Now, this is a great ministry to have a, a good time and have fun. Last year, we were barely scraping to get three teams together. This year, we have, uh, we have four full teams. We could have had six teams easily. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to where God goes with this in the, in the days and years ahead in regard just to reaching out. I hope that my goal of mine personally is that at some point we have 25% of the people coming that are not even part of HBF. They just get, get, they get excited, they get involved in it, and uh, we use it as a great outreach to people in our community. Um, endurance ministry, uh, they've accrued some finances. Now, it hasn't been active in a few years, but they're praying about, uh, get, actually right now we're getting pricing on what it would take to put a walking trail around the perimeter of the property, so be praying for that. Um, the Christ Soccer Academy is something that I want to... Uh, to uh, kind of roll out. I'm going to do that this morning. You've seen it in the bulletin. You've got a little flyer in your, in your handout. Uh, the, the ushers are going to have a clipboard that they're going to be circulating right now somewhere around the building. And, uh, and so um, they're going to, I, I just need you guys to pray about the opportunity to resurrect the soccer uh, ministry that we had a few years ago. We've rebranded it as Christ Soccer Academy. And uh, this spring, we're, by God's grace, we're going to uh, uh, resurrect it and, and, uh, and the name is self-explanatory, Christ Soccer Academy, but the name uh, really is, is uh, indicative of what we want it to be. We want it to be a, a season of uh, education and soccer uh, for the young children at, that where they can, um, they can uh, come to, to Heartland, just like we did with our little three-on-three league a few years ago. Uh, we will have a soccer philosophy, so they'll actually be learning something, taking it somewhere. I talked to Greg Berge, who heads up the Harrisonville Soccer League, and he's excited about this. He's willing to partner with this. So it isn't something we're doing in competition with the soccer culture of Cass County. We're doing it in, co- in coordination with. So it's time. So as they're ending the soccer season, this will be available to, to parents. Of course, our church family, I hope. Uh, on, the, on the little, uh, the guys, are those, uh, has anyone got the clipboards? Are those being circulated? They went to get them? Okay. They're going to pass around a clipboard. On this clipboard, when I, as it comes around, if you have kids and you're interested in your kids playing soccer, I need you to know that. What's that? They already went around? Oh, okay. Wow, that was quick. Uh, so that's kind of hard for you. I hope you guys, man, I hope you guys understood what that was all about if it's already been around. Uh, so um, if not, I need you guys to, to go out and find those clipboards and write this down if I motivate you further. So what those clipboards were about is I, we're going to need help with the ministry, but we also need, first of all, I want to know how many families uh, have kids that might want to play in that ministry. I also want, I need people from the church to say, look, I will be a coach. I will be part of concessions. I will be part of, of uh, refereeing uh, because we've got a lot of moving parts and a lot of pieces to that that we're going to have to fill in. But I'm excited about the opportunity that uh, we'll have a clinic in uh, late April uh, and we'll get everyone together. So even if you don't know anything about soccer, we're going to train you on that part of it. Uh, we're going to need the main thing is to bring uh, adults that can 
love on kids, love on parents, and do a devotion with some kids, uh, take care of some, some uh, soccer skill uh, drills, take care of some refereeing, and just have a great time like we did a few years ago. We also, like I said, I need someone to help with concessions and grounds as well. So there's all kinds of opportunity to, to work in that ministry. That'll be a short six-week season. It'll start in May 6th. It'll run through June 10th. Uh, we'll have time off for Memorial Day weekend. And uh, it's all planned out, laid out. So we just need to, to know if you are in. Next Sunday after church, after after we pray and say amen, there'll be walking tacos to support the Jalowicks. And then you can go to the Warriors classroom, and I'll give you guys a little more detail on what the season's going to look like. I'd love to have I'd love to have everybody out. That'd make it a nice lift for for all of us, and it'd be fun and it'll be enjoyable. That uh, part of the reason I want to do this, and I'm so committed to it, is because I know, like I know, like I know, that it will reach families that aren't here yet. There will be people come that we need to meet, people that will get saved, people that will get discipled. There'll be young families uh, come into this church, and that's important. Uh, and what's important about that is, is uh, meeting people where they're at, even right here on our own property. Plus, God's given us 20 acres. We meet, need to be using it for his honor and glory. All right, there's other things coming up as well that impact the family. The marriage conference will be here March uh, 3rd through 4th, 2023. James DeCoker will be preaching that. That will be a good time. Make sure you're getting that on your calendar setting aside a little, a few funds so that you can attend that uh, if you are a married couple or going to be married. A vision conf- conference is around the corner, April uh, 2nd through the 5th, and then right on the heels of that will be Easter. Uh, and then we have a new, another new thing I want to just take a moment to talk about, and that's King's Mighty Men. So if you're a dad or a grandpa or even an uncle and you have a, a young man, uh, what's our ages ideally? What window? 8 through 14 is the age range. Uh, we're going to be intentional about taking a weekend and getting those young men away. It'll be like a three-year cycle where we invest um, uh, uh, biblical principles of integrity, and we, we, uh, we basically give them a, a biblical rite of passage as we usher them into manhood, and we encourage them uh, with biblical values. It's something that you don't really find in our culture uh, in any orderly way, and we wanna just, we've really been wanting to do this for many years uh, and so this year it will be launched. Uh, Jeremy Bonison and Lance Yoder are uh, architects on that. And so you can see Jeremy if you have any questions. But that's going to be a great time. And you'll be hearing more about that in the days to come. Um, Christ, uh, I've already talked to you about Christ Soccer Academy. VBS will be coming up July 10th through the 14th. Spark in the Park. All those outreaches that we always have will be coming right around the corner. Uh, this year we have one HBI graduate, Travis LaFarge, will be graduating, so we praise the Lord. He's actually had a new life in Clinton, and so uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, you Grow Camp is on the list, and I think that's in your bulletin. You can get ready for that, get the youth and the high school kids off to camp this year. Uh, and one of the things I pray uh, that occurs from the activity this year in 2023 is that we have even more of a need for children's workers than we already have. So right now, as always, we're understaffed in the children's ministry. I was going back and looking at 2016. Every time, every seven-year cycle, I say the same thing. We need workers in the children's ministry, and, the, and, the, and, the, and we always do. So pray about if everyone just did one, uh, one time a month in the, in the Kingdom Seekers on Sunday, it would be a, a great uh, relief to all in the ministry and be a great opportunity. But if you feel like you're, you're, you have to and you don't want to, you shouldn't do it. But it's really a great opportunity. I really encourage you to, to be praying about that because if the Lord blesses our church, we're going, to need, we're going to need the mature people that are here to help take care of the kiddos of the families that come in the door so we can minister to the parents. And that's going to be a big need 
in the year ahead, in the years to come, by God's grace. Another thing I need you to be praying about is missions trips. This year, we already have some missions trips. They're listed in the bulletin every week. Uh, C. Steve Fleshman, he's forming a trip to the DR, and those dates are forthcoming. Mitch Newland is uh, looking to go back to Oaxaca in 2023. Uh, Ray Blowers is forming his team for Monmouth, which will be November 4th to 9th of 2023. And I'm going to be uh, open to going to Boston again if somebody wants to go. I haven't uh, scheduled that yet. That would be in the fall of 2023 if you are interested. I'd also like to uh, perhaps pick up a trip this summer uh, for those that can get away in the summer, but we will need to get back with you on that uh, if at all possible. So uh, I don't have any details on that to speak of, so that's just something that I, I pray will open up. Uh, but my point to even bringing missions trips up is if you are not actively preparing to take one, you should. Uh, maybe you need to get discipled. Maybe you need to uh, get a passport if you if you're planning to leave the country. Uh, maybe you don't even want to leave the country. You can go to, to to Monmouth. Set aside some money. It doesn't take a lot, and you can and uh, you can be on one of these trips. It will absolutely change your life if you get on one of these trips. And so, uh, with all of that, um, I think uh, that's about to the end of where I'm at. I do want to say God's done some good things with the Word First as well. Uh, Pastor Randy is uh, has just put in an order for a new trimmer, which is exciting. I pray in the next year or two we'll be able to upgrade our binders and uh, continue to build on that so we can continue to have a consistent uh, you know, runs out there and continue to keep the productivity up without a lot of breakdowns. And we look forward to working with the, the two. Right now we've got two solid translation projects underway, the Chichewa Bible, which will be you'll be hearing from Dan Jalowick next week. He's, uh, he's part of the... Uh, those that will be distributing that Bible, that'll be done. Hopefully, that'll be coming through one of our conferences. It will be part of. It will at one point be part of our conference. So we'll be looking forward to that. And then uh, Aaron Vogley is working on the Albanian project, and so we're looking forward to being able uh, to start putting that together as soon as uh, Aaron starts getting some of that completed. So it's an exciting thing to be involved in publishing the Word of God, whether it's leading people to Christ, discipling them, assembling the Word of God. I appreciate all that came out yesterday to work on the Polish. New Testaments, that's a big, uh, a big lift, and so it is a blessing. Uh, just a, one last thing I'd like to mention, uh, uh, you know, God continues to provide for uh, funds, uh, you know, for uh, the improvement of our facility. We've received some funds to help replace our carpet. Our carpet's ready to be replaced, so we're right now getting pricing on floor replacements, and hopefully we'll hear more about that in the uh, days ahead. So you'll be knowing more about that. So that's everything I got for you regarding a kind of a vision update, what's around the corner. The bottom line is, as you can tell, what I really pray that we do is, is continue to, to pray uh, as we go forward. The, the little things where we're having fun together, playing soccer with our kids, playing, vo- uh, playing volleyball, those are actually the outreach events that we need to be praying God continues to use to reach uh, couples, and we continue to disciple. And for you that are rank-and-file members of HBF, that means we've got to make room in our life to make disciples. Making disciples is where it's at. And so we, we can't get so busy that we're like, oh, I'm too busy to invest the Word of God in the soul of someone else. Man, that is, that is the main thing that we do is, is disciples. So if we get too busy to make disciples, we're doing something wrong, and we need not to do that. Earlier I asked you to turn to Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 27. That is where we're going to be this morning, Proverbs chapter 27. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you and uh, be turning to page 912. 912. <coughs> So I've been excited to launch this seven-year, uh, you know, this seven-year season. Um, 
I, and I, I wanted to do this, I wanted to talk about the vision today rather than the next week. Now, those are kind of the nuts and bolts and the details, but when it comes to, to vision, rather spiritual or physical, it's a gift to have vision, isn't it? It's a gift to have sight. It is. Uh, <clears throat> I was just talking with, you know, Jan Smith, her son Dan passed away, and uh, that man, he was a gifted, uh, you know, he was gifted with his hands, he was a worker, and he had an accident where a nail fell through his eye, hit his cornea, and he went blind. You know, when you have, it's hard to do work with your hands, and then it got complicated. He ended up losing vision in both eyes. He wasn't that strong in the good eye. It's hard, it's hard to, to, to do what you need to do if you have no vision, right? That affected him the rest of his life. He had a business, and, and that affected his ability to do his business because he couldn't see. Man, I tell you, beloved, it is a big deal to be able to see. It's a big deal to have a Bible. It's a big deal to know that there is a mission. It's a big deal to know that you're part of a mission. It's a big deal to be able to take the ministry, put it in your hands, and accomplish what God saved you to accomplish. It's no light thing. It's a great privilege. It's a great honor. And the vision that we have, whether physical or spiritual, it comes from God, and it's a great gift of God. And he gives it to us so that he can reveal what he needs us to do. He wants us to accomplish his mission and his power for his glory. And when we speak of, of, of vision, we're speaking of seeing what God sees. The magnitude of all that God has created can sometimes be overwhelming. In Psalms 88 and verse 3, the Bible says, When I consider thy heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? You know, when we look at creation and the plan of the Bible itself, we can be swallowed up in the majesty of God's plan uh, for the king and his kingdom. Even just giving a little update like this can be overwhelming, all the details. However, as we contemplate our place in what God is doing in his story, we all have a role to play. We all have a part. And this church is, is a part as well. And you have a part, right? God has a plan for the universe. He has a plan for this earth, and he does have a plan for your life. And he has a plan to use you for his honor and glory. This church is part of what God is doing, and God wants to use each and every one of us to accomplish his mission and his power for his glory. So the good news this morning is that if you have no vision for your life, that's okay. God does. God has vision for your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a desire to get you where you need to go on time and to impact eternity for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look forward to 2023 and beyond to 2029, uh, while it can be overwhelming, uh, at the end of the day, we trust God for the, all the results. We don't know what tomorrow shall bring. As a matter of fact, um, that's all in God's hands. But we know that what God wants to have accomplished in the time that we are here. We just completed this 20th year of ministry. And this time last year, we had a huge 20th anniversary celebration. How many of you remember that, right? We all got up here, took a big photo, and I've been using it on Wednesday nights. And that was, that was exciting. That was cool. As we go into 2023... Uh, we launch off into our next seven-year cycle. And as we enter the 21st year of ministry as a church, we're, what are we really trusting God for? You know, as I look at my life in the next seven years, and like I've already mentioned, I'll be in my late 50s the next time this comes around. And, and, and my son will be a quarter of a century old. My daughter will be 23. I mean, I'm, getting, I mean, I'm not getting any younger. As I look out at the congregation, you know what? Some, some, some of you young'uns will be married. Um, uh, there'll be others uh, that'll have children that don't have children now. There'll be some that will have gone home to be with the Lord. The, by God's grace, there'll be new church plants, new missionaries, just like the list that I gave you. Uh, by God's grace, we'll have some that have grown up to be leaders in this very church or in other churches, and there'll be new church plants, new missionaries, and all that will go forward. 
I really don't know exactly what God will do through his church, but I know that what his will is. And I know that Matthew 16 says, He will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <clears throat> and I've also, this, that's one thing I've learned this last seven years as well. You cannot stop the forward progress of God, even though it feels like it sometimes. So we won't stop preaching the gospel. We won't stop leading people to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't cease to make disciples, and we won't quit training faithful men who are able to teach others also. And we won't stop sending men to pastor and plant churches, and we won't stop supporting and sending faithful men to minister the gospel to unreached places, least-reached places, unreached cities and countries among key people groups of the planet. We won't stop publishing God's word. So when I fly over HBF and just take a snapshot, it's obvious that we have grown and we've matured the past seven years. We've endured quite a bit together over the past seven years, and and it has served to strengthen and mature our body. I really do believe HBF is more mature than certainly than we were seven years ago. We've grown up a lot as a church body. We're much more stable. The conditions here are much more applicable, uh, actually uh, suitable for continued growth and fruit. And uh, having said that, we have far from arrived, and there's so much yet to accomplish. So one thing I shared with the pastors at our pastor retreat in November is that God is calling me personally to stay focused on the business at hand in regarding shepherding the flock here at HBF. I don't want to get so far ahead of myself, I get out over my skis, that I forget to take care of what's right here in front of us, uh, which is a natural tendency I have. But God has made it really clear to me, Brian, you need to make sure that you take care right now of the flock. Uh, because it's important. Uh, for you all, it's important. For me, it's important for the kingdom of God's sake. Uh, not because I'm worried about big storm clouds coming and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we know what time it is. It's because that's what God has called us to do. That is what he wants me to do. It's important as we finish our course, that we finish strong as we approach the catching away of the church, and that we're diligent to tend to the flocks God has entrusted to us. So our passage this morning, if you have it in front of you, stand. I've been talking already a long time. So stand and look at Proverbs chapter 27 and uh, verse 23. <clears throat> this will be a short read. But I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. It says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and to look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the, for, uh, the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens." Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word this morning. Thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. And, Lord, there's a lot of details I've already gotten into and thrown out and some challenges and some asks. But at the end of the day, Lord, we need your vision. And I've saved the word of God for last because, Lord, it is most important that we see your word and that we conform our life to it. And, Lord, you will accomplish your mission and your power for your glory through your church. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask a blessing of the reading and the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <coughs> you know, in this passage of Scripture, it's very clear if you look in verse 23, a passage that many of us are familiar with. But be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. And then he says in verse 24, For riches are not forever and doth the crown endure to every generation. Right? There are some things you can invest in, some things that look profitable, some things that look powerful. You can get into riches, you can get into power, but he says those don't last. Take care of the flock. Take care of the flocks. 
Because that's what's going to take care of you. Take care of the flocks. And that's such an important thing. Another interesting thing to this, this chapter is in chapter 27 and verse 1, the Bible very clearly says, and Jesus repeats it in Matthew 6, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. We, with all this vision talk, I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know when the catching away of the church is. I don't know when the tribulation period starts. I don't know if I'm going to make it past today. I don't know all of those things, but I do know God's will. And I know what the Bible says. And I know what the Bible says is going to happen. And so I'm trusting in that. And that's the race that I will run. And that's the race that you need to run as well. So some things are clear as a believer enters into this chapter. We know that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. But we do know who God is. We know that ultimately, if we trust him, he will bring us to his throne in due time. The best investment will always be in the flocks of God, as God has blessed uh, you to steward the souls of others. And what we see in Proverbs 27, uh, 23 through 27, is really God's value system. It's his value system. As we've seen in our study of Exodus, God uses shepherds to steward his promises and his people. And if there's one thing that we can do in the next year as we look upon the field of our first seven years of planning is make sure we're diligent to know the state of our flocks and look well to our herds. The people uh, God entrusts to your care and my care are the most important thing that uh, you possess. Proverbs is sending a warning in Proverbs 27 and verse 24 that riches are not forever. They will make themselves wings and they will fly away. And I think many of us are aware of that. So we need to look well to how we're investing in the Word of God and the souls of men. When it comes to a vision update, we need no new plan. We we must all understand that God has left us here for one purpose, and that is to glorify Him through the ministry of discipleship. I've already mentioned that quite a lot already. Reproducing faithful men who can teach others also and plant more churches that do the same thing that God has placed us here to do until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is exactly what the mission of God is. Having said that, we are told in this passage in Proverbs 27, verse 23, to be diligent, right? To be diligent. Diligent is a decision. It, it implies discipline. Uh, not, a, not a discipline of others, but a discipline of oneself, right? Being diligent isn't something I'm, I, I can ask everyone else to be diligent. As a matter of fact, I am. But ultimately, it's something that I have to do. It's something that you have to do. A synonyms for diligent in the Bible, or in Noah, by Noah Webster, I should say, rather, uh, are assiduous, attentive, industrious, not idle, uh, nor negligent, right? Someone who's not negligent. Someone who's on their, as we like to say, on their A game, right? You're not bringing your C game. You're not bringing your B game. You're bringing your A game. You're giving your attention to the matters at hand. God is saying, give your attention. Take heed to the flocks, right? Take heed to the herds that God has entrusted to you. It's important because there's a blessing with that. In Proverbs 22 and verse 29, the Bible says, <laughs> See thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings and shall not stand before mean men. Right? If you're diligent in your business, you're going to stand before kings and not before mean men. Proverbs 10, 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Proverbs twelve twenty four says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Right, those that, if those that have some freedom, some liberty, some decision-making power are those who are diligent in their business. I counted nine diligent shepherds in the Scripture, and I've listed them for you in your notes. 
And, uh, and uh, in, this, in every one of those, these principles that we've already laid out, these verses that we've already read, apply. You see Abel, of course, in the Bible, the first shepherd, the first shepherd in Scripture. He's diligent to bring the sacrifice that God required. And then we saw Abraham. Abraham was diligent to tend his sheep while his nephew Lot went down into the plains of Sodom. And while he diligently tended to the men and the sheep that God gave him, he created an army so fierce that he reset the geopolitical landscape in a battle that he didn't even want to get involved in just because they took his nephew Lot. What in the world was that shepherd doing? That shepherd was tending to his flock, and in the process, he trained his shepherds. And in the process of training his shepherds to fight a lion and fight a bear like David would have had to fight, these men came out and were able to put to flight an army. Why? They were tending to the business that God had given them. He was training men to to tend to sheep. It's so important that he took this responsibility seriously. The overflow was the ability to defeat an army. When it was over, he stood before kings and he gave tithes unto Melchizedek. Everything we saw in Proverbs came to pass. Jacob was a man who was diligent, not only to raise his flock, but to take care of Laban's flock and and reimburse his father-in-law. He took care of all of that. And as he left Laban, finally, after 14 years, right, he leaves Laban and he's got all these herds, but he also has a family that's come with him, right, that whole family. He's got herds now, not just herds of sheep, but herds of children. And God, of course, blessed Jacob uh, his name is Israel. Joseph was another one of the sons of Jacob. He was a shepherd. Now, we don't see him <coughs> tending to the flock in some regard because he was, he was sold off by his brothers, right? And he was, he was stuck in Egypt as a slave. But yet, before it's over, he's tending to the, to the nations, right? He's taking care of Egypt. He's taking care of Jacob's seed. There's two nations responsible for, for succeeding because this man was a good shepherd and a type of Jesus Christ. There's Moses, of course. We're talking about him from Exodus. He's 80 years old before he finally learns the lesson that it doesn't matter if you're a king in Egypt. What matters, you don't need to be a prince in Egypt. You need to be a shepherd on the backside of Midian, right? Working under Jethro, he finally comes to the point he's content and God says, now you're ready to lead my people, Israel, out of the bondage of Egypt. And of course, who can forget David, right? That shepherd, the boy, that, that, that man of all men who came up as a shepherd and that, those principles he learned in the hills of Bethlehem served him well as the king of Israel, the man who actually defeated the enemies around the, the promised land so that they could establish the kingdom under his son, Solomon. And then there's the shepherds, or there's a shepherd, Amos. I almost forgot him. Uh, the little the little prophet Amos, the herdsman prophet to Israel, who warned and gave vision, right? God used a shepherd to give a vision of end times prophecy to, to tell Israel, <coughs> excuse me, how God would bless them and how God would curse them. And then there's the good shepherd. I'm sorry, there's the shepherds of Bethlehem. We just celebrated those guys, right, as we talked about <coughs> how they were faithful uh, to receive the message, to share the message. As the birth of the Messiah came to pass there in Bethlehem, they were diligent to see and share of the newborn king. There's the good shepherd, the last one, the number of fruit bearing, the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 10 and verse 10. He is the good shepherd. All shepherds are picturing him if it's a good shepherd, right? And, of course, Jesus is the good shepherd. We hear his voice and we follow him. We know his voice, right? He is a good shepherd and he gave his life for the sheep. Now, I got a tenth one I didn't put in there uh, because I don't want to mess up my outline. But just so you know, there's a tenth one. And that's what we'll be talking about in our message this morning about a diligent shepherd. That's found by Peter, right? Peter was once a shepherd. 
He was once, I'm sorry, he was once a fisherman, but he became a shepherd. And he says in 1 Peter 5, 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Wouldn't you know the tenth one would go to the Gentile bride, right? The pastors, the shepherds of the flock of God for the last couple of thousands of years, right? We have that little, we have that, 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 that uh, title. We're often called pastors or often called shepherds. Right, that, that goes with us because of what Peter said. And so Peter was changed from a fisherman to a follower of Christ, to a fisher of men, to a shepherd. The best shepherds have lost their identity in Christ as they're called to lead the flocks of God. Now there's also, I found four delinquent shepherds, or actually you could, you could actually say 13 if you add them all together. But there's four different categories. There's Lot, of course, who, who couldn't keep his focus. If you want to lose the opportunity to be a good shepherd, just lose your focus. Lose your vision. That's what Lot did. Lot had no vision. He was trusting Abraham's vision. And while he followed Abraham, everything was good. But as soon as he took his eyes off of where Abraham was going, and he looks down, he says, that looks like Egypt down there. Those plains of Sodom remind me of where we were in Egypt, like Zoar. Let's go down there. Let me pitch my tent towards Sodom. Let me see what we can do down there. Now, he still had his herds. He was blessed while he was with Abraham. He was blessed when he came up out of Egypt. He was blessed when he came into Ur- out of Ur-Chaldee with Abraham. But when he walks away from Abraham and he puts his focus on the world, he lost his vision. The next thing you know, he's, he's, he's taken captive with him. He's sitting on the city, uh, the, the town council down there at the, seat, at the gate of the city. He is completely embroiled in the business of Sodom. He's just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Man, he lost his flocks, literally lost his family. Forget the sheep. He lost his family. <clears throat> the consequences for losing your vision are dire. There is no way to, you cannot, I cannot, we cannot afford to lose our vision. We cannot afford to replace making disciples and shepherding souls above anything else because there's nothing else that's going to satisfy God. That is God's passion. That's what we got to be doing in the days until he comes for us. There's also Laban, right? You know him. He's a great deceiver, the uncle of Jacob. You couldn't trust him. His family was running from him, fleeing from him because he was such a rascal. There's the sons of Jacob. Uh, of course, this is a dual type. They're also the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. But 10 of those boys, interestingly enough, um, were really rascals. They sold Jacob, as we already know, they sold Joseph into slavery. Uh, Benjamin, I don't throw in this lot. Of course, he comes later. But the, at the end of the day, you had ten that were really, really brutal. There's the matter of, of Dinah, the sister, right? He goes down. They slay, they slay Shechem very deceitfully, right? They say, oh, okay, we'll make a deal. You guys all get circumcised. It'll be good with the fornication with our sister Dinah. Next thing you know, they just they, while everybody's laid up, they just go through uh, and slay these guys. And, and Jacob is like, what is wrong with you boys? They were, they were pretty rough shepherds. They were pretty brutal. Their faithlessness hindered... Interesting, there were 10, uh, ten sons out of the 12 that were accounted with that. When you, get, when you get later on in the book, we'll get into Exodus, in Numbers chapter 13, there were 10 of the 12 tribes that got cold feet on going in the promised land. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, the 12 spies, I should say, of the 12 spies were willing to go in. Two of them, uh, ten of them wouldn't. and slowed Israel down for 40 years. <coughs> There's some shepherds that aren't worth having, if you know what I'm saying. They just slowed the flock down. 
And then there's Doeg. I think, I think that's how you say it. Doeg. How do you say that, Steve? I don't know. I try not to call him Doug because I don't want to get him conflated with any of our friends. But he's, a, he's, a, he's definitely a false prophet. He's an Edomite shepherd who turned on David. He, he was so much of a rascal. He, he ended up slaying the, the priesthood at Saul's command. And, and David wrote, go back and read Psalm 53. He wrote a psalm to him, dedicated a psalm to, to Doeg because he is such a rascal. He's like, yours is coming, but you just wait, you rascal. And uh, I'm sure he's burning in hell right now. He was also a shepherd. So you don't want to be a bad shepherd, right? You don't, you don't want to be a delinquent shepherd. You want to be a diligent shepherd. That's, that's the reason I did that exercise. As we wrap up here, I want to walk you through a quick outline based off this verse in chapter 27 and verse 23. So we've got to make a decision to be diligent. It is a decision to be diligent. It's not just something that we, we, we do. Diligence is something that we have to decide to do. And point A is disciples are diligent. If you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, now don't raise your hand, but how many of you right now in your heart would consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ? Amen. Some will raise your hand. I would, <coughs> I'm following Jesus, right? That's a decision, isn't it? You've got to make a decision to follow Jesus. Now, some of you may not be following Jesus, even though you're at church on Sunday. Uh, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here. Maybe you're a member, maybe you're not, but you're not really following Jesus. You don't really want to be all in for Jesus. You're just kind of, I don't know what you're doing. You're enjoying the show. Okay, well, that's fine. You can do that. That's your business. But if you're going to be a disciple, right, it requires a decision to follow Jesus. Well, that also requires then an, an understanding that there has to be some diligence given to following Jesus. The folks who follow Jesus are diligent, right? Not, not, not everybody followed Jesus all the way to the, to the Lord's Supper, right? Of course, nobody but John made it to the cross. It's not easy to follow Jesus. You've got to be diligent, even in the pursuit of following Christ. Because the last thing the world and the flesh and the devil want you to do is make disciples or to be a disciple. Disciples are diligent. The root word for disciples uh, is dis- discipline, right? The diligent requires a commitment to self-discipline. It's the first of the year, and people are probably already blowing their New Year's resolutions, right? Eight days in, it's like, oh. But it's important that we're diligent to care for the things that God cares about, and that is the flocks that God has entrusted to us. How is your family doing? How is your ministry doing? I mean, how, how's your cattle doing? I mean, that, that's there too. Maybe you got cattle. Maybe you got, how are your dogs, your cats? I don't know. But what flocks has God entrusted to you? Okay, how are they doing? Now, how diligent are you to tend to those flocks? Those are questions we have to ask ourselves. Paul is so exercised about our need to be diligent to care for the flock of our family that if we don't do that, Paul says that we have denied the faith and are worse than an infidel. That means we are worse than a lost man, 1 Timothy 5.8. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. He doesn't really care how you feel about going to work. He doesn't care if it's a warm, fuzzy thing. He just says, look, take care of your family. Feed the flock of God. And if you don't, you're worse than a lost man. Now, that's not a requirement to be a a disciple. He says that's a requirement to be a man. That's that's, That's just where it starts. Point B, diligent disciples will often carry multiple responsibilities. We have these responsibilities of leading our families, right, and, and our ministries. 
Paul was, taught his son in the Lord in 1 Timothy that this was important. But you know what? There's multiple responsibilities. Notice how the text says this, how God encourages the herdsman to know the state of his, it doesn't say flock, I often misquote this, the state of his flocks, plural, and look well to his herds, plural. Both are plural because it's likely you have multiple groups of people looking to you for guidance. In Luke 12, 48, the Bible says, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of strife shall be beaten with few strifes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. You know, if you're one of those folks that are faithful, and I know this church is full of faithful men and women, it's because of your your faithful that you end up getting more responsibility because faithful people have more responsibilities. A good shepherd is going to have more than one flock. He says, look well to your flocks. Look well to your herds. Some of us have multiple responsibilities to multiple groups of people in our lives. And I was kind of kidding about the cattle, but that is, that's true too. Some of you all in here, you got cattle, <laughs> real cattle. You got people cattle. You got this cattle. You know, you got employees you're dealing with. I mean, there's people that God has put in your life and you're responsible to those herds. You oversee a variety of ministries. You have children's classrooms, a service ministry, your family. You have a volleyball team. Maybe you're a deacon. You're caring for 20 or 30 other people. It's not just caring for the flock, singular. You are caring for flocks because they move in herds. Don't check out on them. Don't do what Lot did. Stay with the stuff like Abraham. Make sure that tending to your to, to those that God has entrusted to you... Uh, is being done appropriately. Use this book, man. This is what it's all about. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Man, this is the rod and the staff. We follow the good shepherd. You say, man, Brian, I don't know what to do. There's so much responsibility. The world's getting crazy. I can tell you what to do. You trust this rod and this staff. The same thing that guides your life is the same thing that's going to guide the lives of those you're responsible for. The principles that God gives you to live by are the principles he's going to give others to live by. The principles that work for you, guess what? Those are going to be the biblical truths that work for everybody else. Now, if this book isn't a priority in your life, you're going to have a problem guiding the the, the flocks that God has put in your life. It's not going to be as easy at work to guide the flock. It's not going to be as easy at home to guide the flock. It's not going to be as easy because you don't have the tools to do the job. And that's why discipleship is such a priority. If you don't understand the basics of the Bible, you're not going to have an ability to apply the basics of the Bible. And so (laughs) I was thinking about how Abraham trained such a wonderful army of these 300 trained servants. And I'm sure his fighting principles uh, were simply to use a staff, right, to defeat a lion. We saw how David went about it, right? He goes out and and he, and he just has what was in his hand, right? He used a slingshot. And he used that to defeat the giant. So if you're faithful to tend diligently to your ministry at home and church, you will look like a rock star. I mean, you'll look like a rock star when you get to work. That's exactly what happened. Abraham was just taking care of what God had given him. Here's my sheep. Oh, now that I got so many sheep, I have some herdsmen. Here's my herdsmen. Here's my trained men. I'm going to train my men so that they can take care of my sheep. We have these adversaries. Here's the principles God showed me. Uh, men, this is how we do it. 
This is what you got to do. We need to take care of this sheep. These are the blessings of God that he's given us. Uh, and, of course, I'm sure he was a really good leader himself. And the next thing you know, these men are trained soldiers. These men are crack soldiers. They know how to handle a lion. They know how to handle a bear. They know how to handle an army that comes down from Merv of Chaldee to fight against the, the princes of Sodom. If you're faithful to tend diligently to the ministry at church, the ministry that you have in your home, man, when you go to work, you'll look like a rock star. Because God will give you a blessing. He'll give you a favor. Because you've been tending to the sheep. The ministry, point C, and the, minist- <laughs> the ministry and ministries we will produce and reproduce need diligent shepherds. Our ultimate job around here is to continue to raise up shepherds who can replace us. As I've already mentioned, in the next seven-year cycle, our average age of a pastor will grow from 57 to to 63, although that math doesn't make sense to me. It should be 64, but whatever. Um, If we don't continue to train up faithful men, you know, that's not going to be good. We've got to continue to replace ourselves. In seven years, what will your family look like? How will you be investing in them? Who will you have discipled? And who that you've discipled will be discipling others? Now, I know you're like, well, Brian, I don't know all those answers. I know. I'm just asking, are you, are you living a life that's diligent so that those things can be answered by God? Who's going to be carrying out the responsibilities of tending with you? Diligent shepherding, it's important. We need to make this a decision to be diligent about the things that are important in God's economy, and that is tending to the sheep. Take knowledge of the flock's state. Is point two. Know how the people in your charge are doing. That's implied as well. The saying, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, is absolutely true. When Paul wanted to know the state of the flock, he sent a disciple who was closest to his heart. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Interesting, he uses the word state. That's exactly what we're talking about in Proverbs chapter 27. Know the state of thy flocks. Paul's like, hey, I'm going to send Timothy to know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. I'm going to send somebody who will have knowledge of your state and that will care for you like I will, the same heart. It's the heart. That's what gets transferred through discipleship, isn't it? It's, it's not just the knowledge. That's, that's not enough. It's the heart. It wasn't enough for Peter to know that Jesus was king. It was an, it, what had to happen, it was Peter had to understand that he would have to die like Jesus as a lamb. And then Jesus said, now follow me, Peter. Right? It's not enough to know who I am. Now you've got to die for me. You need my heart. God needs to do a heart transplant in our lives. Paul tells Timothy, look, he tells the Philippians, look, I'm going to send Timothy. Why? Because there's not another man that will know your state like he will. But not only that, there's no one that's going to care for your state like he will because he's got the same heart as Paul. He goes on to say, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. So what's Paul really saying? Timothy has a heart for God. He has a heart for God. Do you have a heart for God? Say, Oh, I'm a great shepherd. You might be a great manager, you might be a great leader. But a good shepherd has a heart for God. That's the difference. All right, so at volleyball Friday night, Nick Laverne 
He said one of the things that kept him coming back to HBF, he was sharing his testimony, by the way, at Devotion, was the fact that he could tell that we actually care about people. He didn't believe it. He's like, surely these people don't really care about people like that. But ultimately, God convinced him. You know why God convinced him? It's very clear. The Bible tells us in John chapter 13. It says, A new commandment give I unto you, that ye love one another, even as I loved you, that ye love also one another. That's the great commandment. And then in verse 35 it says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one, if you have love one to another. The love that we have one to another, caring for one another's estate, that's what convinces people that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. I promise you, seven years ago, we were not in a healthy place there in this church. We're in a much healthier place today. But I tell you what, the devil hates that. You need to make sure that you guard what? You need to guard the state of the flock. You've got to care about the hearts of the people in the ministry. Uh, many years ago when we were a baby church, I learned so quickly that, you know, as a Christian, we often think that somebody else is our enemy. But the Bible makes it clear in Ephesians, right, that, that who's our enemy? That Satan's our enemy, right? Your body, the, the body of Christ is not your enemy. Uh, people may be, you know, knuckleheads and people can be goofy. But at the end of the day, that's your brother. You love him. That's your dad's son. That's your dad's daughter. Don't mess with your dad's kids. Don't hurt them. You love them. You hate the enemy. Be clear on the target. And so that's why the great commandment is so important. If we don't love others, we don't love God, and we become hypocrites. And the discipleship process gets hindered. And I want to commend you all for being so committed to the great commandment because that's an evidence of good discipleship. It doesn't take long (laughs) being a shepherd to find out, you know what? Sheep have teeth, right? Right? Some of you find that out. You get involved in someone's life, and all of a sudden, you're going along, and you're thinking, oh, I just love them, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I just got bit. That little lamb has sharp little teeth. Hey, man, sheep have teeth. You just got to love God and love people. We can't be so thin-skinned, right? We got we to keep working with our hand. That's one of the reasons we need to keep our hand on the book. Because why? If we love God's law, nothing shall offend us. Right? Nothing will offend us. We won't be offended by the sheep. When they, even when they bite your hand, it's like, okay, there's a rod. Whack! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it doesn't take too long being a shepherd and getting in the shepherding business to find out those little sheep have teeth. And one of the ways pastors and shepherds cope with and deal with the moral injury associated with being emotionally battered is to go to the shepherd himself, the chief shepherd. He'll heal your heart. We take his sufferings, which is an honor for any shepherd if they understand the Bible, right? We want to fill up the sufferings of Christ. We want to embrace those things, not get defensive and not go in our shell, not hide from the battle, not beat the sheep, but lead the sheep. Point B, focusing on the flock saves us, therefore, from focusing on us. The needs of others oftentimes saves us from focusing on us. You know, babies and children, well, they're little me monsters, right? Unfortunately, many in the church are categorized as as me monsters, especially when we're young in the Lord, when we don't know the Bible, when we haven't grown up in the faith. We are little me monsters. I want mine. I want mine. I want mine. It's all about me, Jesus. We know from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17 that the Lord says, Because thou sayest, I am rich 
and increase with goods. It's all about I. I am. Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. There's some folks that don't know the state. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesight, that thou mayest see. We will never tend to the flock and the herds that God has for us if we don't mature to the place that we can look out for the needs of others, just as we knew our own. The world says you need to look out for number one. And when they say that, they mean look out for yourself, right? Take care of you, me and mine, right? But in the Bible economy, it's completely different. God needs you to look out for his interests. He's number one, not you. We're not even second, right? You know, got the I am second. Well, no, second, where are you kidding? I'm at least third, fourth, fifth. I mean, come on. We're not second. Jesus is first. And there's other people ahead of that before we get to us, right? It's not about us. It's about what God has us to do. Last Monday night, right, the whole world stopped. Everybody was about the football game and their entertainment, and all of a sudden something serious happens. And a guy has a massive cardiac arrest, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. And everybody put the needs of this person ahead of themselves, and some of them I'd say probably reluctantly to save some face, but whatever. You know what changed that whole thing? What stopped the motion of all the money and all the business and all the entertainment industry and all the things that were just circulating? Well, you know what it was. It was a heart. Oh, yeah, it was a heart attack. The man's physical heart stopped. And his physical heart stopped in the middle of that field. It caused a whole bunch of men, big, burly, tough guys, to start weeping and crying and praying and seeking out God. Why? Because they had a heart. All of a sudden, the NFL didn't mean anything. And it was a life or death situation. And the moral of the story, or the, the hero of the story, is some paramedic guy, some staff guy, he's probably making 35000 a year, you know, runs out there, boom, CPR, keeps that guy going, and now that guy's alive today. Why? Because he knew how to tend to the flock. He knew what was really important. It wasn't passing ratings. It wasn't athletic endeavors. Is that when somebody drops dead, there's somebody there to take care of them. Beloved, we're stewards of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shepherd this message. This is the only message that can resurrect a dead body. It's the only message that can take a heart that is broken in sin and God, through faith, can quicken that body, that heart, and someone can come back to life. And you are the delivery mechanism. You are the sheep herders of those that God wants to use. It's an amazing thing. Take knowledge of the flock's state. That guy was able to run out and assess what was going on and get to work, not knowing what would happen, but doing everything in his power to try to keep that guy alive. And God brought him back. Ultimately, by the way, God was the one who did the work. We're just his messengers. Point three, and I'm done. Take ownership of God's mission. We talked about that last year. We're going to keep talking about that. Notice how God says, thy flocks and thy herds. Now, God could have said, look well unto my flocks or my herds. After all, we know that he owns everything. But point A, God wants us to treat others as ourselves. We know from Matthew 22, 37, and this goes right on with the great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, or thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments are the law and the prophets. So now Peter is careful to let us know, right, that the sheep aren't ours. 
But you say, Brian, you got to own the mission. Yeah, you got to own the mission, but you don't own the sheep. Own the mission, but don't own the sheep. In 1 Peter 5, Peter says this, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Be minded, be ready. Neither being as lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. He says, lead by, not just example, but in sample. Allow people to have a piece of your life so they can have access to your heart. That's how you get ownership. It's not that you own anything. Jesus is the one who died on the cross. His blood is the one who pays for every soul. People often say, Brian, this is your church. It's my church like it's your church. I don't own this church. Jesus owns this church. I'm just a pastor. I have a role here. We all just have a role that we play. It's ultimately his church. But what we do is impart our heart one to another through the ministry. And that is, that's what disciples do. So God clearly doesn't want us to, want, uh, to constrain those who are responsible uh, to herd. How shall we then teach them how to follow God? If we can't lord over the flock, well, then how do we influence the flock? And now you're asking really good questions. How do you take a group of people who don't get a paycheck, who don't even come from the same background, different social strata, different geographic locations, different vocations, different this, different that, different all kinds of anomalies. How do you get them to go anywhere? Well, I don't know. When you figure it out, let me know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I really don't, other than the grace of God. It's a great question. What we do is what Jesus did with his disciples. We just simply model a walk for them. It involves praying together, eating together, playing together like we do on volleyball, just doing life together and making Jesus Christ number one and following him. It's modeled, it's caught as much as it's taught. Point B, God wants us to own the mission of making disciples in ministry. He goes on to say in verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight there, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Right? There's an attitude of heart, a willingness that has to be present on our part. You know, they become our flock because we've invested in the mission of God, not because we have purchased them with our own blood. Jesus is the one who's done that. But when it comes to any endeavor in life, whether it's sports or, or military service, You may not be the owner of the team, the country, the equipment, but when you take ownership of an outcome and you serve together sacrificially, all of a sudden you start being knit together at the heart. A shepherd's heart is fully vested in the outcome of the flock, even if he doesn't own the sheep. You know what? When there's a platoon moving about in the military in combat, they don't get their check from the platoon leader. They don't get their they get their check from the government. How do they stay in rank? Oh, because they paid me. No, there's got to be more to it than that. They do it for the guy next to them. When that's really what it boils down to. How did Jesus lead us out of sin? Well, he stayed in the third heaven and he 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 sent a message. No, he literally God the Father sent his Son to become like us, to walk with us, to die for us to resurrect instead of us, right? So that we could be following behind through his power, through his love, right? Everything that we do is following in the pattern of God who has come to lead us out of sin, out of death, and to lead others also. 
So there's lessons we must all learn about shepherding. The sheep need cared for. You know what? They can't share. You can't. You don't like say, "Okay, sheep, it's time to get your hairs, you get your wool uh, shorn." Here's a pair of clippers, right? Nope. Shepherd has to do that for them. They're not smart enough to do that. They need help. We need help. <coughs> the sheep don't remain static either. They like to wander around. That's why they, if they didn't wander around, you wouldn't need a shepherd. That's why you need to take the word of God seriously. That's why you, <coughs> you know what a sheep will know is it's child time. You got to have good vittles. One of the things that, that we're supposed to do, Peter says, is feed the flock of God which is among you. How do you feed the flock of God? That's right, it's the Word of God. Man, my family won't follow me. Well, are you, are you feeding them the words of God? Well, they won't listen. No, Lot's family wouldn't listen either. Why wasn't Lot's family following him? Oh, that's right, he quit following God. He replaced the Word of God with something else. Getting back to our first point. Be diligent, be diligent, be diligent. Sheep are to reproduce after their kind, right? We are here to create an environment to reproduce spiritual fruit. And that's what the church is all about. It's a greenhouse for making disciples and evangelizing. Sheep need direction as well. And the Bible, of course, is that direction. So there's a tangible reward at the end of the day. Beloved, in verse 4 of 1 Peter 5, when we're diligent, right? When we, when we make a decision to be diligent, we take knowledge of the flock state, and we take ownership of God's mission. First Peter 5, 4 says, and, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Man, it is so important as we go forward in the faith that we are diligent this year to, to, to do the basics. You're, are you doing the daily reading that you need to be doing? Are you in a devotional mode with God? Are you praying daily? Are you writing down what God is showing you? Are you, are you having a relationship with God that others would want to emulate? Or, or do you look more like the world than you do like a shepherd? Are you who God has saved you to be so you can accomplish that which is God has saved you to accomplish? I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how many people you've already discipled. I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm not talking about seven years ago. I'm not talking about seven weeks ago. I'm talking about from this day forward. Are you who God saved you to be? Are you diligent? And are you committed to that? Because you need to be. It affects you, and it affects everybody that needs to follow you. Beloved, if we were to fill up these empty chairs this year with young families and, and old families and, and, and singles, and, and I don't care who it is, with souls, is our life something that those folks could grab onto and be transformed into the very image of God? Because we are walking in faith, not by sight. We are following God's book. We're not allowing all the things of this world to distract us and dissuade us and get us off track because we're diligent. We're diligent to take care of the things that God has given us. We're ready to feed the flock. We're ready to defend the flock. We're ready to do what God has called us to do. Some of you need to answer the call to get ready. Some of you need to get out of D1 and get into D2, get out of D2 into HBI. Some, God knows we need people to, to take those next steps so the kingdom of God can be advanced. I'm not calling you. God is calling you. That is the mission of God. That's what God needs to have happen. We are here to do that. We are here to train faithful men who are able to teach others also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together and, uh, and talk about the vision this year. Lord, we pray as you uh, will soon be returning that we'll be ready for your return. And in the meantime, Lord, I, I pray that you find us to be diligent in the things that you have put in our hands to be diligent with. And most importantly, the souls and the flocks, the herds 
that you have put within our sphere of influence. Lord, may we be faithful to feed the flock that is among us. Lord, may we have willing hearts. May we be those that we willing to minister to them. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity as we stand together in an attitude of prayer. Uh, nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, and I just quickly want to make an appeal. If you don't know the Lord Jesus <coughs> as Savior, I just want to invite you this morning. I'll pray for you. If there's anyone that said, hey, Brian, I need to be saved. This is a great day to be saved. Anyone at all? I haven't really preached the gospel, but uh, just so you know, Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He is alive right now, and he's calling all men everywhere to be saved. All you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you are saved. So if you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, maybe you need to join this church next week's New Member Sunday. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to go to the mission field. Maybe you need to just decide to be diligent. Maybe you need some help. Maybe you need to get with somebody in our church to help walk with you. That's why we're here. Anybody at all? Say, Brian, I just need some prayer. Amen. If you need to lay something down, the altar is open. We do have people that can pray with you. I'm not going to tarry any longer, but I do want you to know that God loves you. He's going to bless you. I'm looking forward to all that God has this year for all of us as we look forward to the opportunity to serve him with a faithful heart. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to <clears throat> look back on where we've been and look forward to where we're going in your will, Lord, with your word. As we consider being diligent to know the state of our flocks, Lord, I pray, God, that we would, uh, Lord, we need your grace. If it was easy being a shepherd, everybody would be doing it. But it's really not. It's not glamorous. It's not, it's not a high-paying gig. But it is the thing that has the most benefit in eternity. And according to what your word says, it is the most uh, it is the best thing uh, that we could be about doing because riches profit not in the day of wrath. Oh, Lord, may our focus be on things above, not on the things of this earth, Lord. I pray, God, that you would captivate our hearts in your word and that when we're given an account of diligent shepherds and delinquent shepherds, our name would be found under the list of diligent shepherds. Lord, may our name be written there. We just thank you and we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. Uh, I'm going to invite uh, Bruce Metter. Come on up, Bruce, and grab that mic on the side right there, and he's going to pray over the offering. And, uh, and I appreciate Bruce coming down today. And I want to encourage you guys in uh, <coughs> all that you're doing. pray that you have a blessed new year. If you weren't here last week, we're glad to have you back this year. And, Bruce, thanks for being with us once again. If you could pray over the offering, we'll have a few announcements after that. Some things never change. Some things never change. Brian never keeps on time. <laughs> Brian's introductions are always longer than his message. <laughs> and um, you were 32. I'll maybe 44 then when we started this, 21 years ago. crazy thing is I'm 35 now. Because when I got to 50, I started counting backwards. <laughs> anyway, it's great to be here with you all today. Let's pray. Dear Lord. Thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for the word. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of Brian and staff here at Heartland, Lord. Continue to minister it. Thank you for the offering that will be taken today. Purposes will be applied to. As you bless the givers and let you bless the offering. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a secret. The secret is the king's coming back. 
he's he's coming back and uh are you going to be ready this this message today you know gave us some vision for the next year you know this this entire book is about shepherding it's in the old testament it was about physical shepherds and jesus came and said now understand what a what a spiritual shepherd is and i want you to take part in that that's what the book is about is how can you be a spiritual shepherd and that's what he wants us to do is to follow him in that our, our king jesus and there are so many ways you can do that and you go well i don't have anybody to lead then get ready and be ready and then he'll give you someone to lead spiritually so what are some ways to do that i'm glad you asked uh, we have all kinds of ways small ways and big ways next week uh, dan jalowick is going to uh, share with us about the ministry in zambia it will be it will be a, a good thing. You may not know this, but but uh, Randy and Julie Foster were very instrumental in their lives um, 10 years ago or so uh, for the Jalowicks to be in Zambia. And so we have a direct tie to the Jalowicks in, in Zambia, and we'll be hearing from, from Dan. Right after um, service next week, there will be a fundraiser. Uh, walking tacos, so you can grab something to eat um, on your way out. Um, and if you don't, if you don't have time to grab something to eat on your way out, then just give give some funds uh, for that. Dan's going to share about what God is doing in Zambia, and it also ties to what this church has done as far as giving Bibles, uh, Chichewa Bibles, and that has opened a, a great door. And we can have a chance to invest in that. So it's a great way to to get ready for the king coming. Just even in, in silly walking tacos, uh, we can make an investment in the kingdom there. Uh, the latest retreat is coming up. Uh, Jan Jalowick is actually going to be speaking at that. So uh, a couple of weeks, we're going to hear from uh, the Jalowicks. Uh, next week will be Dan, and the following week will be Jan. So those are a few things coming up. Um, other ways you can get involved, even small ways, the resource center, the children's check-in, ushers and greeters, life issues, child care. These are small ways that you can be a part of shepherding. And so consider that as, as the king is coming, what are you doing to prepare for his return? How are you shepherding uh, those around you or those that he has placed you the exact place for you to invest in the kingdom? So consider that um, as we go. There are more announcements in the bulletin, and uh, let's close as we leave. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Thank you for the vision that you give us, the, the vision of, of being a good shepherd. Lord, help us to understand whoever, whomever that you have placed around us, next to us, Lord, that, that you have um, very providentially put us in, in places to spiritually share your gospel, your good news, and the the truth of, of the king and his kingdom, and to invite them, to help them know, to grow, and to go with you. Lord, send us out. Use us this week. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.